you have your Bible this morning, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, as we're getting started, as we begin a new year filled with new resolutions. I don't know if anybody's out here, anybody make new resolutions this year? Anybody got a new year's resolution? I, I just want, oh, okay, so <laughs> pointing the finger at one another, okay. Well, new resolutions, uh, the, the statistics are not in your favor for keeping those resolutions beyond next week. But anyway, we will pray that you will stick to those resolutions. Keep trying, keep going. And so as a year, new year filled with new resolutions and opportunity to live life to the fullest, the phrase carpe diem came to mind, came to mind to me, and you may have heard it years ago on a movie, and, and I thought about this phrase carpe diem, seize the moment. And I thought about 2022, and to be sure if we have learned anything over the past couple of years, I think it's that we've learned that uh, none of us have a blank check on tomorrow. Would you agree? Many of us have lost loved ones. Many of us have lost friends. Many of us have been separated from friends because you wore a mask or they didn't wear a mask or you got a shot and they didn't get a shot or whatever. We've had all these quarrels, all of these bickerings, all these fightings among us, and yet... I think that we have failed to seize the opportunity, and so I want to start a series entitled Carpe Diem, and really it stands to reason that if you and I hope to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, then we must take advantage of every opportunity He gives us. And now I understand starting the new year with a message with Penn Jillette. If you didn't know who that was, that was Penn Jillette years ago. He is uh, one of the uh, guys from Penn & Teller show in Las Vegas, and and um, he is still an atheist. I wish I could tell you that he has come to faith in Christ, um, but uh, still an atheist. But the reality is that uh, he put out that video uh, talking about he respected this gentleman that had come up to him enough to give him a, a book of Psalms and the New Testament. And uh, it was a Gideon edition. And so really when we think about the opportunity to seize the day or carpe diem, that, that in itself is consistent with a word that a lot of people love to hate, and that's the word stewardship. When you think about seizing the day and this idea of carpe diem, it is consistent with the idea of stewardship and literally the way that you and I manage our lives, the lives that God has given us. And obviously when we hear the word stewardship, many immediately think, oh, pastor's going to talk to us about our money and our finances. And while there's application to be made in that regard as far as being generous and giving to the work of the Lord, those applications can be made, but that's not the message of stewardship in its entirety. In fact, stewardship involves much, much more than just our finances. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10, uh, the Bible says that you and I are to minister one another to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so the reality is that you and I have been entrusted with gifts whether they be uh, spiritual gifts, temporary gifts, ordinary gifts, or extraordinary gifts, we have all been entrusted, one, with the gift of grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, I once was lost, but now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see, and so we give God the glory for His amazing grace, amen? Thank you. We have that amazing grace that God gives us, but we also have these other gifts, and we're instructed in Scripture to employ them or use these gifts for the benefits of others or the common good. 
So in Psalm 40, as you're turning there, hopefully you've made your way there, it's important for us to know that David, a man quite honestly, uh, as, much, as much as possible, David was a man who thought like God, he was a man who felt like God, he was a man who acted on behalf of God as much as possible. And this was his desire, he wanted to please the Lord. He was known as a man after God's own heart, he had a deep desire for God and the things of God, and uh, he tried to live in that regard. But let me say this, we all know David had a few flaws, didn't he? Did he slip up? Did he have sin in his life? Absolutely. And we could go on and we could talk about all of those things, but that's not the point. See, in the end of it all, when we look here at Psalm 40, what I see is that David's heart for God and others was so important that he wanted to share the good news as he saw it. See, he was a benefactor of God's blessing in his life, and he wanted to share that good news with others as he saw it. And so when we talk about good news, we say the word gospel. Now today, when people say the word gospel, they say, man, uh, that's the gospel truth. Or I like gospel music. Or, man, that person really preached the gospel. Well, there's nothing wrong with saying it that way, but that really doesn't encompass all that we're talking about when we think about the gospel and what the word really means. And David, you see, he, although he didn't live uh, to experience the gospel as we know it, Jesus' incarnation, his perfect sinless life, his substitutionary death, his resurrection, ascension into heaven, and the message of salvation, David didn't live to experience all of that. But David did experience God's righteousness. David did experience God's love and his grace in his life, and he wanted to share that with others. I think about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He was committed to that same desire as well, to share the truth with people, so much so that he actually laid down his royal robes and became a man for you and for me. In fact, Philippians chapter 2 tells us in verse number 7 and 8, it reminds us that Jesus made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and made in the likeness of men. And verse 8 says that in being found as fashion as a man... He humbled himself. I love that. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. In John chapter 6 and verse number 38, Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then in two places, in Luke 5, 32, which I shared with you last week, and also Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, Jesus says these words. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but, but sinners to repentance. You know, there's a lot of people that don't think they need Jesus. They think they're righteous in and of their own selves. They think, man, I'm a good person. I give to the Lord. I serve the Lord. I do all these things. Can I tell you that giving to the Lord, serving the Lord, trying to be the best that you can be will never pay sin's payment. We all need Jesus. It was Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 10 after stating that the thief, he's talking about the devil, after talking about that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Notice you remember what he said. He said, but I am come, speaking of himself, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so the quick point I'm trying to make, you say, well, what's the point? David had a heart for God and, and he wanted to share the good news and Jesus was committed to that will and that perfect will of God. What is the point? Well, I would just suggest that if Jesus was willing, he was humble, and he was obedient to do the Father's will, and David, someone who never actually saw Jesus, never, never lived during the time of Jesus, if he was committed and he desired not only to know all about God, but he desired that everybody else would know about God 
and he thought it was pretty important, I would just suggest that we should do likewise. Amen? Hence the title, Carpe Diem, Seize the Day. Look with me in Psalm 40. Psalm 40, beginning in verse number 1. Let's read what God's Word has to say. And David, he says these words. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Isn't that good news? He said, I waited for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Verse number 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned upon uh, order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth. From the great congregation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us today to begin a new year afresh, to give us a new opportunity. God, to look at your word, to be transformed by your word, to be encouraged by your word, to be challenged by your word. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll do just that. We know that your ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and our ways. And so, Lord, we defer to your wisdom. God, we give way to your greatness. God, we're so thankful for your gratefulness and your greatness in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way during this time. And God, that you'll speak to our hearts and that you'll change lives according to your divine will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, obviously, as we get started, I would say that most people... I would say most Christians, most believers actually want to see others come to faith in Christ. Would you agree with me? Are you a believer? Do you want your family members to be saved? Anybody? Do you want your friends to be saved? Do you want your co-workers to be saved? Do you want our government leaders to be saved? <laughs> well, y'all got excited about that. I, I didn't even have that in my notes. I figured, wow, well, maybe we can get some people excited. Listen, I don't think that there's a one among us that knows Jesus Christ, that doesn't want others to be saved. But the reality is, those same people, us in this room, those that are watching online, those outside these walls, those same people who will say, yes, I believe it's important that people know Christ. I believe that it's important that we share Christ. Those are the same people that say, you know what, but I'm so uncomfortable doing it. I'm so uncomfortable doing it. I want them to be saved, but I'm so uncomfortable doing it. That's why we hired you. Statistics reveal the vast majority of Christians have willing hearts. The vast majority of Christians have willing hearts, but those same statistics sadly reveal 
that those Christians with willing hearts sadly have not willing lips, but weak lips. So what can we do? What should we do? Having the courage and confidence to share Jesus with others isn't always easy. In fact, years ago, it was Chuck Swindoll when he wrote a book entitled Strengthening Your Grip. Here's what he said. In his book, he gives four main reasons why he believed that most Christians shy away from evangelism, why most Christians shy away from witnessing. Number one, and please don't take offense to these because I'm going to explain them. Number one, he said, is ignorance. And now what he was talking about wasn't that a person had an intelligence problem or that they were dumb. He was simply suggesting and pointing to the reality that many people don't share the gospel or their faith with people because they don't feel like they know how. They're afraid to tell somebody about Jesus because they're afraid they're not really sure how to go about doing it. So that's why he mentioned ignorance. Number two he talked about was fear. Aside from feeling that they might mess things up when they share their faith, there are many, he suggested, that don't share their faith because they're just afraid of being rejected. Who likes rejection? Does anybody just really enjoy being rejected? But here's the reality, guys. If somebody rejects the gospel, they're not rejecting you because you are not the author and the finisher of faith. You're just sharing the gospel. If they reject the gospel, they're rejecting Jesus. And so yet our feelings get hurt and so there's a little bit of a fear and there's some that are afraid of what question might come up. Well, pastor, if I share my faith, what if they ask me this question? Here's a good answer. If somebody ever asks you and if they ask me a question that I don't know, you know what the best answer is? I'll go and I'll find out. I don't know that answer. That's a great question. But could I point you to my pastor? He would be willing to talk to you. Can I point you to a staff member? Can I point you to my Sunday school leader? They might be willing to talk to you. Can I point you uh, to somebody that might have that answer? Or would you give me uh, a day or so so that I can find out the answer and get you that answer? There's no re reason to fear questions. In fact, I know that the fear of man is a real thing. I know it's a real thing. But can I also say it shouldn't be an excuse that we use? It should not be an excuse that we use for not telling people about the greatest gift given to mankind. Proverbs 29 and 25 says this. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. This is just a principle. All right, I'm just giving you a principle that I think can work across the board. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Oh, there's safety when we go in the wisdom and in the strength and in the power of the Lord. 1 Peter 3, verse number 15, indicates to us by telling us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man or woman that asketh us the reason of the hope that is in us. And it also says this, to give that answer with meekness and fear. In other words, don't give the answer braggadociously. If somebody asks you a question about Jesus, uh, it's not a time to put on, you know, that, that, that crown and, and make it, well, you know, because I'm one of Jesus' uh, saints here, let me tell you what he says. No, that's not the time. It says to give that answer with meekness and fear, understanding that God is in control. And so I know this isn't a popular message. I thought, man, I must be a really dummy to start Carpe Diem, Seize the Day, Share the Gospel as a message on the beginning of the new year. But you know what? I think that's exactly what we need. Because I look around in 2020 and 2021, and I look at 2022, the prospects for 2022, everything seems to be getting worse. I got people, uh, came up to one of our men, he was on the beach, 
down in Florida, a crazy set of circumstances. I'm preparing Carpe Diem Seize the Day, and one of our men was down in Florida, and uh, he had played golf at uh, one of these prestigious golf courses, uh, uh, Sawgrass, I think it's called, Sawgrass down there. And then the next day, he was just walking on the beach. And he said as he's walking on the beach, a gentleman came running by, and he thought, oh, okay, he's out exercising, I'm walking, he's jogging and whatnot. And he said he ran down the beach, and then he came back by, and as he was coming back by, and he called me, and we talked about it. And what was interesting, he said, the guy on the way back by, he was running back by, he said, are you ready for the rapture? (laughs) Nothing will get your attention quite like somebody running on the beach saying, are you ready for the rapture? Well, the gentleman I was talking to, and I I don't want to share his name because I'm not sure if he wants me to tell you. He said, he said, why, yes, I am. He said, but why are you hollering, are you ready for the rapture? He said, the tribulation's coming. And he talked about the the 73 weeks and how he figured the seven years of tribulation and 80 weeks. And he started talking to this and was sharing all this information with one of our gentlemen. And uh, and so he was like, he was really engaged and enjoyed the conversation. And then he said it wasn't too long after the conversation ended that he took off jogging again. But he said that question, are you ready for the rapture, made him think. And so here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. He got on his phone. And he called his son and his daughter-in-law. And he started sharing how the gentleman had shared this, are you ready for the rapture comment with him? And his daughter-in-law ended ended up through that conversation talking, trusting Jesus Christ as her Savior. Because she said the rapture, yeah, yeah, give God some glory. The rapture and the whole discussion of the tribulation, the rapture, she said, well, I need in on that. And he said, well, you just call out upon the name of the Lord. For the forgiveness of sin. What a, what a wonderful Savior. He seized the day. Carpe diem. He took up the opportunity. Because some guy running on the beach said, Are you ready for the rapture? He turned around and shared that conversation, which led to another conversation, which led to him being able to share the gospel with his daughter-in-law. Oh, and guess what? Her name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that good? That's good, guys. We have a great opportunity. Our job as Ecclesiastes chapter 12 in verse 13 says is that we're to fear, we're to reverence God and we're to keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And although we shouldn't need it, we have plenty of commands when it comes to sharing the gospel. In Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew 28, you guys know this, the Great Commission Jesus said, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then he said these words, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. But here's what I like. You know when he was out there in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 9, here's what Jesus said. He said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men and women and boys and girls. Leave that verse up there for a second. Because it's really simple. It really is simple. Jesus said, follow me. Don't follow after the world. Don't follow after the news media. Don't follow after politics. Don't follow after your job. Don't follow after your family. Don't follow after all your fun-loving things that you got going. He said, follow me, and I'll be the one that makes you a fisher of men and women and boys and girls. 
Oh, listen, what a wonderful Savior we have. So number two was fear. Chuck Swindoll points on to number three. He talks about indifference as another reason people don't share Jesus. And this may seem harsher or hard to understand, but his point was that some believers, they just don't care enough to share their faith. And that doesn't mean that they hate people. It's just that it's not the most important thing to them. They're busy with this, that, or the other. And so what happens is many times we want to share the faith. We want to tell people that Jesus loves them. And then we don't do it. And then 10 minutes later, we're like, ah, why didn't I share my faith? And, it may not, and I got news for you because I've had it happen to me. It's like, man, I had a great opportunity. I should have ran back to the car. I should have got a, a track and been able to give it to him right now because I may never get that opportunity again. Oh, we got to buy up the opportunity. Carpe diem. We need to seize the day. Instead, what most people do is they figure that God will use someone else to tell them about Jesus. Well, I'm not going to tell them, but I know that every time Darren goes into the store, he's going to wear his hat and he's going to tell them that Jesus loves them. So I'll just wait and, and I'll tell Darren he needs to go to Walmart over in Warrington and go to checkout counter number three and tell that girl that Jesus loves them. Well, guess what? What you didn't account for is that girl may not be working when Darren shows up. So we have to be careful that we buy up the opportunities. Lastly, Chuck Swindoll said the fourth reason that people don't share or witness can be attributed to a bad experience. A bad experience or a run-in with someone who is too harsh, too judgmental, and too pushy. Have you ever met people like that? They just want to run over you like a bulldozer. You're going to, talk, you're going to take Jesus right now. Just what I said, you're going to take Jesus. Let me just tell you this lovingly. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so the idea of being pushy or heavy-handed with somebody most of the time is not going to get you very far when sharing the gospel. Again, these are just examples that Chuck Swindoll shares. And the, there are many others, I'm sure, but none of them should be excuses for us to live as secret saints. Why? Because as that song that I used to sing years ago says, people need the Lord. Hold on, let me say it again. People need the Lord. Let me take a poll. Anybody in this room or watching online, you can scribble an exclamation point or an asterisk or whatever in response to this question. Anybody here have family members who still need to trust Jesus? Anybody? All right, that's predominantly most of the people in the room. Anybody have a friend that you know still needs Jesus? Anybody have, here's a big one, I bet. Anybody have coworkers that still need the Lord? Anybody? Anybody have anybody else in their life that they know still needs the Lord? Absolutely. We all do. People need the Lord, which is why it's so important for you and I to seize the day, to buy up the opportunity, every opportunity we have to share Jesus with the world. Look at verse number 9 and 10 real quick so that you and I can boldly say, just like David did in verse number 9, I have not refrained my lips. And then in verse number 10, he says, I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. Listen, this morning I'm going to give you three basic thoughts. They're going to be, I told my wife, I said, this is pretty simple. <laughs> this is not very high theologically, but this is three simple thoughts from Psalm 40. And we could go to a lot of other places in Scripture, but three basic thoughts for you and I to develop a deeper desire to share the gospel. And at the same time, I think that we can overcome any of the fears that we have. So if you're a note taker, here's number one. It's really high thought provoking. Look back at our past. Look back at your past. 
We need to look back at our past. If you want to develop a deeper desire to share your faith with people, you know what we need to do? We need to do is we need to look at ourselves in the mirror. Take a reality check. Go back to just like David did. In verse number one, notice this is exactly what he did. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. But from Scripture, we also see the need in the cry. Because look at verse number two. In verse number two, he says these words. He said, he, speaking of the Lord, brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my going. Now, there's a lot of debate, a lot of theological thought when it comes to Psalm number 40. But here's what I would suggest. Since we hear nothing about the sickness of his body, we hear nothing about David being on the run at this time, we hear nothing from David about the insults or the attacks of his enemies, I would suggest that there's more than enough reason in this passage of Scripture for you and I to understand that David, his cry and his need was spiritually based. He had a spiritual need. His spiritual well-being was at stake. He, was develop, he, had, he had developed a spiritual despondency, if you please, separation. And so he had these feelings of doubt and fear and abandonment. And so what did he do? He cries unto the Lord. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Obviously, I cried unto the Lord. I waited patiently for him. And he says here in verse number one, he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. In verse number two, David represents himself as having been in a horrible pit. In other words, if you look that up, he's talking about the fact that he had been in a dungeon, if you please, a grave or a deep well spiritually filled with darkness and distress because of his sin. He also references this phrase, miry clay. I don't know if you went outside or not over the past couple of days, but we had this, um, I call it pesky rain. It just drizzles and drizzles and drizzles. Man, I, I'm like, man, could you just rain? Give me some strong rain. Oh, it was strong. And uh, as I was going outside with, with the pups, you know, I experienced a little bit of that slick mud you know, from the soaking rain. This is worse than that. When David references the miry clay, he's talking about a clay. In fact, I put in my notes, he's talking about a slimy mud, which means, spiritually speaking, there was no way for him to get a foot. There was no way for him to stand strong in the pit and in the miry clay in which he is in. And so the reality is, like you and I and every other person, David was unable to deliver himself. You can't deliver yourself. I can't deliver myself. No sinner can deliver themselves. Every sinner needs a Savior. Amen? I said it on Christmas Eve. I said, if somebody sins against us, we have it in our power to forgive that person. But as those who have sinned against God, the only one who has it in his power to forgive is God. And that's exactly what he does through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, listen, God did the miraculous with David. Verse number two, again, he says, he brought me up. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. When anyone comes to the point of recognition and repentance, recognizing who Jesus is, God does an amazing thing. He sets our feet upon a solid rock, a firm foundation. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I have a firm foundation. I'm not basing my hope on my job. I'm not basing my hope on my, my wife or my family. And listen, my wife is as faithful as they come. She's been solid as a rock. But guess what? She's still covered with the same stuff that we all are. 
I try to be as solid as a rock for her, but guess what? I'm still covered with the same stuff that we all are. The reality is the only firm foundation that we can have is in Jesus Christ. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11, the Bible tells us, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today in person or you're watching online and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never been saved, then you actually know real time. You actually know real time what that horrible pit in miry clay feel like. Which is why I would encourage you to look at verse 4. I didn't ask the guys to show this, but look at verse number 4. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. If you've never trusted Christ and you're looking for blessings in 2022, that's where it begins, right there. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man, verse number 4, it says, that maketh the Lord his trust. If you're here in person or watching online and you're already a believer, then you know that it's actually a good thing for you and I to remember. In fact, the psalmist says that we're never to forget God's benefits. But here's what Isaiah 51, and some of you remember, this used to be talked about every week. It seemed like we heard this verse every week. It didn't matter if the message was on this, that, or the other. Isaiah 51.1 would come out some point in a message here at Battlefield over the years. Some of you are smiling because you know I'm right. And the Bible says here, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look under the rock from whence ye are hewn, and under the hole of the pit from which you are digged. It's good for us to remember. It's not like we want to go back and live a life of sin, but it's good for us to look back and say, Oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name of the Lord my God who delivered me out of that horrible pit, who took me out of the miry clay where I could find no stability and set me on a solid rock, on a firm foundation. To God be the glory. David's testifying that God had rescued him. I've said it over and over the past few weeks, but what I see here in this psalm is David never forgot it. He never forgot that God had rescued him and he never got over it. In fact, if you look at verse number five, David says, he says, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And look at the end of the verse, he says, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can actually be numbered. He says, I can't even number all of the great things that you have done. But one of the things I do know is that I see people that I know and I see people that I love and I care about and they need you just as I needed you. And so guess what? I'm going to tell them all of the wonderful works that I know about. I'm going to proclaim your goodness. I'm going to share the good news of your righteousness, your faithfulness, your salvation, your loving kindness and truth. So number one, I say we need to look back at our past. Number two, we need to look around at the present. It was the Apostle Paul who stated in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now let that sink in for a second. Paul, this murderer, has been changed into a missionary. And the last phrase, he said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Carpe diem. Carpe diem. It's time to seize the day. It's time to share our faith with people. I had the opportunity to go to one of our young ladies' graduation from nursing school. I didn't know that they did this. But we're sitting there at this graduation, and what was interesting to me is, um, uh, is it Florence Nightingale? Uh, they, they do this kind of a, a, what is it, like a quote or something. They make an oath. They take an oath that they are going to help people in need. 
And I would suggest that doctors and dentists and caregivers all take these oaths. And Debbie, is this correct? Am I consistent? These doctors and nurses, they take an oath uh, to help someone who is in need physically. That started to sink in in my heart a little bit this week. You see, as Christians, we too are obligated to help others in need. How dare us, really, as Penn Jillette said, how dare us believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and not be willing to tell somebody that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them. And as even Colby mentioned, that when they beheld his glory full of grace and truth, and then he goes on, whereupon we receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace as benefactors of God's amazing grace. How could we not make the same type of obligation, but spiritually speaking? As I've said earlier from passages of Scripture that I read when we were talking about Mark 16, Matthew 28, and even Matthew chapter 4, there's plenty of Scripture that points to the fact that it's really not a choice. We really don't have a choice. If we have been saved, if we have been redeemed, if we have been rescued just like David have, we have an obligation, but that obligation is a beautiful opportunity. See, I think many times we look at it as an obligation rather than an opportunity. Oh, we need to turn that cat around. David had experienced God's great salvation and he was compelled to share God's message of truth and love with others. Look at verse number 10 again. David said, I have not hid, watch these phrases. He said, I've not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness, which we sang about God's great faithfulness. He says, I've also declared thy salvation. I have not ceased, uh, I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from this great congregation. Oh, my friends, with Proverbs 27, think about this. With Proverbs 27 in verse 1 saying that we should boast not thyself for tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth and James chapter 4 which I read in the Sunday school hour talking to us and reminding us that our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. So whether you're 99, 19, 29, 49, 59, 69 or wherever you fall in between the reality is life is a vapor. I watched this video not out of a sense of morbidity or anything like that, but I watched this video. It was like in um, uh, memoriam or whatever. And there were all these people, all these people who passed away in 2021. And it went from January, February, March. And, and a lot of them were people that I didn't recognize. Uh, you know, actors and actresses. And, and I guess they're all actors. But anyway, uh, all, the way, all the way back, you know, some that were in their 90s. Some, there were two on the list that were 106 years old. Crazy. There were some on that list that were 29 years old. There were some that were 24 years old. Guys, with Scripture reminding us that we don't have a blank check on tomorrow, we, we don't have, tomorrow's not even guaranteed, much less the rest of today. We don't know what a day may bring forth is what the Bible tells us. Oh, listen, we have to seize the day while we still have a day to seize. That's the point of Carpe Diem, and it's not just about sharing your faith. There are going to be other messages, and so you, you can smile, you can get happy. It's not going to be share your faith every Sunday. There are other messages where we can talk about seizing the day. It was Billy Graham who once said these words. He said, the evangelistic harvest is always urgent. 
The destiny of men and women and of nations is always being decided. Every generation is crucial. Every generation is strategic. But we cannot be held responsible for the past generation. And we cannot bear full responsibility for the next one. However, we do have our generation. And God will hold us responsible at the judgment seat of Christ for how well we fulfilled our responsibilities and took advantage of our opportunities. He was literally speaking about that we need to seize the day. Oh, listen, we have an opportunity and an obligation to the Lord and to the lost. It was Warren Wearsby, pastor and Bible writer and commentator, who said this. He said, the angels have never experienced the grace of God, so they cannot bear full witness as we can. Telling others about the Savior, watch it, he says, is a solemn obligation as well, I love it, as a great privilege and we who are believers must be faithful you've heard it said and I put in my notes if you and I had the cure for cancer if you and I had the cure for cancer would we be embarrassed to share that cure of course not if someone in this room had the cure for COVID would you be embarrassed to share it even though they might not believe you have the cure, would you be embarrassed to share it? Of course not. Oh, friends, if we knew somebody who was in immediate danger, just like Pendulette said, if I see a truck coming, if you know that a truck is about ready to run over your friend and you don't go out and stop the truck or move your friend out of the way, oh, man, I don't think we'd be embarrassed to tell our friends they were in danger. And yet sometimes we're embarrassed to share the truth of the gospel. I put down in my notes every day there are people passing into eternity without Christ. We cannot, we dare not, and we must not keep silent. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Knowing that our foe is nigh, we must sound, as that song says, we must sound the battle cry. And our battle cry is and has always been, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. <laughs> kind of quiet in this room today. Kind of quiet online, I imagine. Psalm 96 in verse 1 and following, here's what the psalmist said. He said, I sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. That means be an active participant in showing forth His salvation from day to day. Verse 3, declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Is He greatly to be praised in your life? Oh, we ought to get excited. I know it's January 2nd, and we're, we're still kind of feel like this. Does anybody feel tired today? Let me just get a poll. Anybody feel tired? Anybody already worn out and it's just the second day of January? I'll be honest, I'm tired. I'm tired. But I'll tell you what, I'm excited to talk about Jesus. You can get excited about Jesus and be tired at the same time. He says, cast your care upon Him because He cares for you. If you're tired, listen, come unto the Lord. He's the one that will give you rest. Don't put your trust in the world. Put your trust in Jesus. Oh, we must not hide God's love in our heart, but we must tell it out loud. Verse 3 of our text, David says this. Look at verse 3. He says, And he, speaking of the Lord, hath put a new song in my mouth, even the praise unto our God. He says, Many shall see it. 
Many shall fear. In other words, they're going to see my faith. They're going to hear about it. They're going to reverence God. And then notice what he says, and they will trust in the Lord. So not only was he busy looking back at his past, he realized that God had brought him up out of that horrible pit, out of the miry clay and established his going, but he also took the opportunity to look around. And he told God, he says, I haven't been silent. He says, I've been telling people about your faithfulness, your love, your salvation, your, your truth. I've been doing all these things. Because just as it was important for me, I know it's important for them. Lastly, we look back at our past, look around at people's present. Finally, I think we need to look forward to the future. See, if we look back at what the Lord has done in our own lives and we look around at what the Lord wants us to do in the lives of others and we're an active participant in His plan, then here's what I believe He'll do. He'll give us a front row seat to the transformation that will take place in people's lives. Do you know that I've seen people's life? You know, we were all dead in our trespasses and sin. But I can tell you I've seen a difference in somebody's life when they were dead in their trespasses and sin to when they were walking in new life. It's a beautiful picture of God's love and His grace. Oh, listen, we have to look forward to the future. One last time, look at verse number 10. David said, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Listen, he's talking about the fact that the Lord, he said, I know you're in the life-changing and the life-saving business because I know, Lord, you're the one who takes spiritually dead people and gives them new life. I know you're the one who takes filthy people and cleans them up because that's exactly what you did with me. You brought me out of the horrible pit. You took me out of that miry clay and you established my going. Oh, David understood that God takes worldly people and makes them fit for heaven and sinners and declares them to be saints. When, when, when you and I make it a point to proclaim the good news, you and I, just like David, get to have a part in the same business that David had. Turn with me one more verse. Romans 13, 11. Romans 13, 11. I want you to see this verse. Carpe diem. Romans 13, 11. And the Bible says, And that now, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The reality is I'm closer to heaven than I've ever been before. And so are you. I remember running against, running up against uh, someone who used to attend Battlefield years ago. We came up to a stoplight in Warrington. It was right after COVID came out. And um, there was, you know, obviously a lot of hysteria, a lot of fear and everything. And by the way, COVID's not going anywhere. Uh, so we're going to have to just learn to deal with it um, the best that we can, be smart, and understand that uh, the chances are that every one of us will have COVID at some point. Just like every one of us in this room have probably had flu and other things. And so that's why I say be smart, take care of yourself. Take your vitamins, do all these things, put yourself in the best position to stay healthy, and on and on. Do those things. But the reality is, even when you do those things, even when you do everything that you can do, the reality is COVID may still come knocking at your door. Am I right? Okay. Even when you do everything that you can do, the flu bug has and probably will continue to come to your door. Am I right? 
Even when you do everything you can do, if you're involved in sports or anything else, or like me, chasing a dog and you twist your foot and bust your toe, these things happen. It's not a matter of if they're going to happen. It's a matter of how do we respond when they do happen. He looked at me. And this gentleman, he pulled up to the side of my car. I'm not making light of it because we have lost people that we love and care about with this COVID, right? But he leaned over in his window, had his window open, and he says, Pastor, what heaven are we afraid of? And I said, what? He said, what heaven are we as believers afraid of? And I said, I'm not afraid of heaven. He said, it sure seems like a lot of believers are afraid to go to heaven. Carpe diem. I encourage you to seize the day because people need the Lord. We have an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And as we do so in the new year, I pray that the Lord will strengthen us and help us. Here's a few thoughts. I pray that he'll help us to be sensitive to be available, to be responsible. Here's a big one, because I'm not big on lack of tact. Be tactful. If something that will turn people off more than anything else is, is if you go to them with lack of tact. Be tactful and be clear. But I say this, be decisive. Be decisive. Just talk about how God has changed your life. And you know, here's the rub. If God has changed your life, then it should be evident. See, David said his life had been changed. The Lord had established his going. He had put him on a solid rock and established his going. His life was changed. And so he said, guess what? I can't help myself. I can't help myself but to share your love and your goodness with other people. The reality is if our life has truly been changed by the power of Jesus Christ, it's going to communicate a very different message than our lives communicated prior to Christ. And if it's not communicating that, that message, a very different message, then I would encourage you to really go to the Lord in prayer. Really go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe, maybe you know a lot about Christ. Maybe you're here, but you've never really trusted, fully trusted Christ with your life. Whatever your need is, I encourage you to do it as we begin a new year, whether you're here or online. Today is the day. Seize the day. Carpe diem. And I know that the Lord will bless us in 2022, just as he has blessed us all these years before. Amen? Father, we do thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we are mindful that you are in control of all these things that we're facing. Lord, sometimes I wonder if we feel like you're absent. But I think the reality is we probably need to be in your word more. We need to be meditating on your word more. We need to be seeking ways to live out your truth in our lives more. And Lord, you've given us another day, another new year, when many will make, make resolutions and decisions of how they're going to live, how they're going to approach this new year. Many will make, they'll make decisions to exercise more. They'll make decisions to eat less more, to eat less. They'll, they'll make decisions to do this or to do that. Lord, I pray that spiritually 
we would make decisions to fall more in love with you, to fall more in love with your word and one another. And that, Lord, we would make a decision to share the gospel with people. Lord, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't even know what today holds. So, Lord, I pray that you strengthen us as we look back and we remember the pit from which we were dug and the, and the miry clay and, Lord, how you brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, help us to be confident, to look back, but also to look around at the present condition of people to share that truth that you have bestowed in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll give us a glimpse of your glory as we see lives changed. And Lord, as we endeavor to live in a way that brings you honor and glory, God, that we'll be encouraged, that we'll even be strengthened more when we see people's lives being changed by the power of your love and by the power of your truth. Lord, I thank you for coming, being born as a virgin, of a virgin and living a sinless life. And Lord, I thank you for placing yourself on that cross for our sinfulness. Thank you for dying in our place. I thank you that as scripture tells us, you arose three days later conquering death, hell, and the grave. I thank you that you have gone to prepare a place for us and that one day you're coming to receive us. And that, Lord, that where you are, we might be also. Lord, I pray that you will do what only you can do with this message. I pray that you have done what you desire to do. Lord, I pray that people were attentive. I pray that people were real with themselves. And that, God, as we go away from your house, Today, Lord, I pray that we will be more zealous than ever. More zealous than ever to tell people about Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness. Be with us. Strengthen us. Give us wisdom. Give us courage. Give us compassion. That we might love people the way that you love them. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.